You know, we've been talking on this series on prayer and simple power. And I have to be honest with you, even being a pastor sometimes and praying isn't that easy. I remember several years ago when I first started my training in ministry, it was required of us to pray for an hour a day every morning. In fact, every morning we had to be in at 8.30 and we had to pray till 9.30. And then the catch was, if you still wanted to pray, you could continue to pray till about 10 o'clock or so. And in my mind, understanding that my whole total time of prayer that I ever prayed in my whole entire life equaled an hour. <laughs> so you're asking me to pray for an hour in one sitting? That's impossible. So I thought, you know what? I got this. I can do this. So what I did is knowing that I was going to be praying for an hour that day, I decided to go home and type up a list of prayers or prayer requests. So I went through everything. My mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my latest cousins, cousins. And, and I went down through my employers and everybody that I could think of. And so I had this list and I got all psyched up and I went in there and I'm just pumped. I'm motivated. I'm ready to go. Let's pray. Come on. Let's bring it on. Get that worship music on. Pump it up, you know. So I get in there. I find myself a night's warm pew. I sit down. I, be, I assume the position. And I just begin to pray. And I'm going down through my list, bullet point by bullet point by bullet point. I get done with my list. I'm like, wow. Man, that was intense. Man, what a great time of prayer. Whew, that hour flew by so fast. Wow. Man, I'll be able to do this again tomorrow. And I look at my watch. Only 20 minutes passed by. So I sit there and I think, what in the world am I going to do? And I'm looking all over the place and there's all these other kids. They're all just praying, you know, and some are moving their fists and some are dancing and twirling and and I'm just like, well, they got something going on. I don't. And so I'm like, well, I'll just re-pray through my list again. <laughs> but, you know, so then I found that over time, the more time that I began to spend with God in prayer, the more he began to fill that time to a place where one hour wasn't long enough, that I needed to spend more time in prayer with him, more than just an hour a day. I had to set aside more time to listen to him, to listen to what was on his heart and what he had to say. And I began to notice this pattern that was established between God and I. That when I would take time out of my schedule, my busy life, and I would set aside time on purpose just for him, I began to notice that when I would listen and pray, that all of a sudden prayers would begin to be answered. Now understand, sometimes not every prayer was answered immediately. Sometimes I would pray for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it seemed like forever. And then finally, the prayer would be answered. Or sometimes there was prayers that I would pray for years beforehand that were never answered. But I began to notice that when I would take time and that I would press in, God would begin to answer those prayers in a mighty way. I began to realize that the fullness of the reward depended on how bad I wanted it. I realized that there would be days, in all honesty, that I would wake up and I really didn't feel like even talking to God. I felt that I was spent and burnt out. And I noticed, though, that when I would do that, there would be times that it seemed like God wasn't even there the next day when I would try to talk to him. 
There was times when I wouldn't spend two or three days praying to God and I would jump back into prayer immediately expecting something to be answered or something awesome to happen, but nothing would. And so I realized that the reward of pressing in was very important. You see, experiencing the fullness of God's intentions is dependent on our willingness to pray. Have you ever imagined, think with me for a moment, what would it be like right now if God came right down, right here, right now, and he looks at every single one of us and says, okay, everybody, for the rest of this afternoon, I'm going to set aside a minute for each one of you. And during that minute, you have the ability to approach me, and you can ask me anything about the intentions that I have set for your life. It could be anything for your spouse, your financial situation, your job, your children, whatever you want, one minute for each of you. What would that be like? Knowing the intentional desires of God's heart for that time and that moment in your life. How many of you would say, oh, you know what? I'm going home. Sorry. No, none of us would. <laughs> We'd all want to be here. We, we would make a long line. We would be waiting for God to tell us what was intended on his heart for our lives. You see, the word intentional means deliberately done. It's a plan that is followed through deliberately. And God has deliberate intentions for our lives. And the fact is, he wants to share those deliberate intentions with us. The question is, do we have time to listen? Do we have time to do our part so that he'll do his? Intentional plan can be simply illustrated this morning when I woke up. Before I came here, I intended to brush my teeth. I woke up, I intentionally got out the toothbrush, put that gel stuff on there, and I proceeded to scrub. <laughs> For some of us, our intention was to get in our cars, turn the key, start it, put our foot on the gas pedal or the brake pedal, and eventually make our way from destination A to destination B. That is intentional. That is an intentional plan. But what, what, what do you really think God is intentional about? What I'd like you to do right now, and I want you to say to your neighbor, tell me, what do you think God's intentional about? 30 seconds, go. So, okay, so you got it? Some of you didn't turn to anybody. That's okay, I'll get you later. <laughs> you know, something that I found is whatever is on the heart and mind of God becomes an intentional act on his part. We see this lived out through the life of Christ. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus descends here on earth, born in a manger, comes to live out life in the flesh. And it ends up that he says this phenomenal statement like every statement Jesus makes. But he says this, I haven't come to do my will, but I came to do the will of my Father. I didn't come here to show off and build something up for my own pleasure, but I came here to do my daddy's work here on earth and to show you how to live out his intentions. Jesus came to declare the fullness of God's intentions on earth. And he did it deliberately by enlisting 12 men called his disciples. He took out three years 
and he began to invest into these men's lives, teaching them the teachings of the kingdom. In fact, there was so much that Jesus taught that it totally revolutionized the way that we live today. In fact, it came to the point that Jesus described to them an avenue or a tool of how to gain his intentional fullness or to understand his deliberate plan for our lives. That avenue is called prayer, simple power. In fact, we know that the disciples approached Jesus at one point and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us about this simple power. Teach us how to access your deliberate plans for our lives and those that we will come in contact with. And we find that happening in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. But in verse 9, I want to start there and I want us to say this together. We all know this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, he tells us that the Father's plans for all of humanity are larger, brighter, more than what we could ever imagine. You see, prayer transforms our casual hearts into kingdom hearts. Jesus tells us here in Matthew chapter 6, he says to us, I tell you what, guys, the longer you pray and the longer you spend time with me, your prayer life will no longer revolve around you. It'll no longer be casual anymore. But I tell you one thing that's going to change is that you're going to begin to have a kingdom heart, a focus, a heart like my father's, that you will begin now to pray in a different way than what you've ever been used to. So if you hang with me long enough, you're going to begin to begin to pray the heart of the father. And as this happens, we begin to experience the fullness of God's deliberate plan for his kingdom. Simply meaning this, that we have access to get a glimpse of what the Father is planning to do and see it in action on earth. Our Messiah tells us that we've been intentionally, deliberately made to seek out his kingdom, first and foremost. Prayer teaches us how to seek out the kingdom of God. And when we seek out the kingdom of God, we're instructed that all those other things will come to pass in time. And when we do this, we access his intentional fullness for our lives. So this morning, I want to take a little time and I want to equip us with some key practical ways of living an intentional prayer life this morning. The first key that we need is to start with is to create a deliberate prayer journal. Create a deliberate prayer journal. Now, men, hang on for a minute here. I love that video a moment ago because that speaks right to our hearts. So before you get freaked out about the J word, I just want you to relax because I'm going to break off some of those misconceptions in a few moments that, that you're dealing with about journaling. <laughs> journaling. <laughs> My wife journals. <laughs> I kill things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, understand this. I want to talk about deliberately creating a prayer journal because we have a mind and we have a spirit. God blesses us with this spirit, but he also blesses us with a mind. You see, our mind cannot receive revelation. Our mind cannot receive the deep things of God. A lot of times what we think happens is that God is up there on his throne and 
He just sends down these little nuggets or these little dewdrops, and it plops into our brain and we're like, oh, that's what that is. But that's not the case. See, God gave us our spirit because his spirit relates directly to ours. And so when we receive revelation or those deep mysteries of God, it goes directly to our spirit. And the reason we have our mind is so that we can begin to decode those things so that we can digest those things. You see, journaling is an avenue of decoding God's revelation for our mind. Now, I want to talk to the women a moment here. Some of you are pretty experienced in journaling. And, um, but I want, I want to challenge you in a different manner with this. You see, ladies, when you journal and create a deliberate prayer journal, because journaling is a way that we use to enhance our prayer life. It's a way we gain strategy and how to pray for one another, our friends or our families. Ladies, when you begin to create a deliberate prayer journal, it's important that you allow God to romance your heart. You see, women enjoy being romanced. They like surprises, generally most. (laughs) They like to be surprised. They like to be swept off their feet. And God is the same way because he wants to romance you. He wants to sweep you off your feet in your prayer time. I want to give you a great example of a young woman in our congregation who allowed me to take a snippet of her own prayer journal and how God romances her. She bases this intimate moment off of Psalm 63, verse 1. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And she proceeds to describe this. Jesus, I miss you. Lately, I've had this desire to sit on your lap and hug you, listen to your heartbeat. I want to hear your physical heartbeat. I want to feel what your heart feels. You are my best friend, and yet I know so little about you. I've never even heard your voice. What does it sound like? What is your laugh like? Thinking of that makes me miss you so much more than I already do. Yesterday, I was reading the book Captivating, and it said this, the truest thing about his word, about his heart towards yours is not disappointment or disapproval, but deep, fiery, passionate love. I've always known this, but it's so easy to forget. I thought about it for a while last night, and it opened my eyes to so much. I come to you afraid a lot, but you're a God with burning love for me. Yes, I may do things wrong, but you forgive and look past that. You always love me and want me. You are my bridegroom and you yearn for my heart. Why do I come to you as a beggar trembling? I want to approach your throne boldly and with confidence in your great love. That's allowing God to romance your hearts, ladies. Simply just saying, God, you know what? Just woo me today, God. Woo me today. Let the boundaries go and and just take over. Hug me today, God. Express to me what's on your heart. That's allowing God to romance you. Now, men, buckle up. Let me talk to you a little about journaling for a moment. (laughs) 
You see, journaling is meant for us too, guys. It's meant for us as well. Now, you don't have to go out and buy, you know, a little, little journal at Barnes & Nobles or Borders with flowers on it or anything like that. You know, you can get something that's neutral, gray or black, something manly, something with fur on it maybe that you killed. <laughs> but you see, the first step to journaling as a man is to ask God to engage your warrior heart within you. Let me show you what I mean. Three weeks from now, I will be harvesting my crops. Imagine where you will be. And it will be so. Hold the line. Stay with me. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Those are some powerful words. What we do in life echoes eternity. But I love this beginning statement. He says, whatever you imagine, you'll be. Men, let me talk to you a moment because we have to begin to rise up within our workplaces. We have to begin to rise up within our families. And if we're not doing that, God's calling us to do that. And let me, under, let me tell you this so you understand. The reason for journaling is to grab a hold of God's strategies and pen them out so that you have a play-by-play to war for your family, to war for your friends, to war for your workplace. That is the purpose of journaling as men. (laughs) That wasn't indigestion. (laughs) You see, it's important that you allow God to engage that warrior within you because every single man in this place, you have a warrior within you that needs to be engaged. Just simply go before God. And tell him how you're feeling. Rough it out. Be raw with God. That's what he's there for. Tell him what's on your heart. Let it go. Yell, scream at him. Whatever you do, jump up and down. Or you can just whisper. But allow God to engage the warrior within you as you journal. I love what it says in Jude chapter 20. In Jude 20, sorry, Jude's only one chapter. But Jude 20 says this. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up. Underline that phrase. In the most holy faith by praying. Underline that. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Staying right at the center of God's love. Keeping your arms open and outstretched. Ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life. The real life. That phrase, build yourselves up, actually means to physically do something. It's a verb. It means action. It means to take action and do this. And that word prayer actually represents what it says that it's already within you. So we're instructed to begin to build ourselves up from what is already within us. Meaning we don't have to look to the left. We don't have to look to the right. We don't have to look behind us and forward and all all these things to find other resources when it's already within us. You see, when we journal... We're transcribing the strategies of God on the paper so we can grasp it. It goes back to that whole mind-spirit thing. You see, our, our spirit receives revelation, but then we need to know what to do with it. And so when we journal it on paper, 
things begin to make sense to us. And then we can begin to apply that. You see, building ourselves up is learning to journal with power and walk it out. Now, maybe you say, but yeah, you know what? Journaling thing just really isn't my deal. Well, let me tell you what. Can you tell me the conversation that you had with your friends at Starbucks three weeks ago verbatim? Oh, wait, um, how about the conversation you had with your spouse two nights ago verbatim? Some of you are like, told you, honey, told you. Or do you remember the dream that you had three weeks ago verbatim? The possibilities of you remember everything verbatim is very slim. You see, we need to treat the words of God as an event in our lives. We need to take time to stop and write what he's telling us. How to pray and what to do. Because the fact is, when you get it, you're not going to remember it. And when God gives you a specific strategy to pray for your families or for your friends or your spouse, whatever that may be, you can lose it just like that. Or you can journal it down and go back to it and apply it. And we're going to talk more about that in a few moments. So how do we do this? How do we journal to gain strategy for what is ahead? First of all, when we journal, we gain strategy to secure our families. We gain strategy to secure our families in prayer. That word secure means to set free from harm or to be free from risk or loss. I love this story in Matthew 9, verse 18. Jesus is teaching, and in the midst of this, a ruler comes to Jesus. This is what he says. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died. Underline that. But come, circle those words, but. But come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him. So did his. Now, there's something interesting here. There is a dynamic that just happens in the midst of this scripture, of this text here. Because what this is saying is that you cannot secure your family in prayer. You cannot ask others outside of your family to join in with you and secure your family in prayer until you yourself are willing to do it. It says that the ruler went to Jesus and said, my daughter. He went he took action. He went and did. You see, the title is, you do, he will. That's the whole thing. We do our part, he'll do his part. So first of all, if we want to gain strategy, this man gained strategy in some way. But he went, he knelt down, he took action over his family to secure his family. Because it said that his daughter was dead. He understood what it meant to secure because the word secure means to keep free from loss. And I love that word, but because this is what he says here. My daughter has just died, but. But. Say it. But. Add it to your vocabulary in a positive way. Because this ruler... Just got some amazing strategy. Yeah, sure, my daughter just died, but I tell you what. But if you come, she'll be healed. Come, I'm, I'm securing my family right now through prayer. Second of all, we gain strategy to strengthen our friends. 
Our friends are those who are in our sphere of influence, those who are close to us. Galatians 6, verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. Circle that word, carry. And in this way you will fulfill, underline that word, fulfill, the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That word carry or bear in maybe some of your translations actually means to take up with your hands and sustain. It's a physical meaning. And the word fulfill actually means to make full or supply. So when we put together Galatians 6, 2 and 3 here, this is what it's telling us. That through prayer, through strategy that we gain in prayer with God, that we journal, we sustain and supply our friends with the needed strength. That's where we get testimonies from. Because we step up to the plate, we spend time with God, and we begin to pray and gain strategy to how to pray for our friends, how to pray for their current job situation. How to pray for the current loss of their families. How to pray for their financial situation. How to pray for a family member that doesn't know Jesus. That's what happens when we gain strategy to secure our friends and strengthen them. Another strategy that we gain through journaling is to bring home the homeless. How many of you have a loved one or somebody that currently is not living within the community of faith, that you long to see be a part of the community of faith, or that has strayed away from the community of faith. Every single one of us could answer that. You see, in Isaiah 43, we gain some more strategy here, and it says this, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, Give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Through our prayer life and as we journal, God begins to give us strategy in how to call home the homeless. There is a confidence that begins to build and rise up within us. That we no longer come before the Lord and we're like, Jesus, if there's a possibility that you would deliver my family member into the kingdom, that would be wonderful. Amen. No, 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 no. There is a new confidence that rises up within you. And you gain this strategy out of the word of God and you begin to say, give them up in the name of Jesus Christ. You go before the Lord with confidence and boldness and you say to them, you can no longer hold them back in their situation. Or you go and you say, it's time to bring home my son. It's time to bring home my daughter. It's time to bring home my best friend's brother. Some of that will click in for you in a moment. You'll get excited about that. Okay. I'd be jumping up and down after receiving that strategy. But you see, my mother understood what it meant to bring home the homeless. She spent hours and hours, night after night, where she called me out of the occult and into the kingdom of God. She learned how to use strategy. She learned how to journal and how to pray the prayers of what God was giving her to call me out of that area of my life. Another key element that we have 
is to expose God to our Blackberry. Uh-oh, I'm hitting home with some of you. <laughs> Anything but my Blackberry. <laughs> we have to learn to expose God to our Blackberry. You see, now Verizon will tell you that with one of these devices or any form of PDA, not public display of affection youth, <laughs> and some of you adults, but what God is, what God is, uh, what Verizon will tell you, what Verizon will tell you about this is that this is a great thing because it simplifies your life. And with one of these in your palms, you can, you can access life, you can personalize it, you can accessorize it, you can do anything that you want whenever you want with this anywhere in the world. You see, what I find funny is that even though you can shop online, check the weather, update what you're doing on your calendar or your agenda that week. What I find interesting and amusing is that no matter what, we cannot communicate with God with it. We can't communicate with God. And there's a reason for that. Because God wants direct communication. And he wants direct attention. You see, God is interested in our to-daily do list. God is interested in our to daily do list. If you ever use the BlackBerry, you'll know that it's easy to access to access your calendar and also surf the internet at the same time. You can kill two birds with one stone, right? We have a neat little term for this. And what do we call it? It starts with an M. Multitasking. That's right. We can drive in our cars and we can text somebody over in, in the state of Wisconsin, <laughs> for all we know. We can be talking on the phone with somebody while we're at dinner with somebody else, get done, set up that appointment, and then we can text the babysitter to make sure the kids are fine. We call it multitasking. <laughs> but unfortunately, a lot of times, our prayer life becomes like a Blackberry. We multitask with God in our prayer life. A lot of times we feel that in our prayer time we can kill two birds with one stone. So why we do the dishes and why we take care of the laundry, we can be praying to God. Or why we're babysitting and taking care of our children or, you know, just cleaning around the house or picking up or working out in the garage, we can be spending quality time with God. We're multitasking. But you see, God is very intimate and he's very personal. And he wants the fullness of our attention. We have to learn to expose God to our Blackberry if we want to begin to see some things happen in our prayer lives. How many of you ever used a shotgun before? Yeah, yeah, I used one. Yeah, that's right. The old 12 gauge. Okay. When you use a shotgun, you have to understand that a shotgun shell has multiple amounts of BBs in them. It's not like a rifle. With a rifle, you have a bullet, and a bullet is one has one little bullet that goes, and it goes one place, it doesn't go anywhere else. With a shotgun, when you shoot the gun, the BBs spread all over the place. So the actual percentage of you hitting that target with a shotgun is pretty slim. But with a rifle, you can accurately. You see, a lot of times when we pray, we come to God with a shotgun and we shotgun our prayers out there to the Lord. Hey, God, it's me again. 
God, by the way, I just want to let you know. Oh, yeah, Lord, I forgot about this for Susie's test. Now you're laughing because you realize this is a reality. And instead of learning to take our prayer life and allow God to redefine our to-do list, we end up praying with a shotgun instead of learning to pray with a rifle. Where with a rifle, we hone in on the target. We can become accurate with our prayers. And we can go straight to the target that is needed. Instead of just loading shell after shell, prayer after prayer, and hoping that we're going to hit the target. See, Matthew 6.32 applies to this. Jesus tells his disciples, for the pagans run after these things. Look at somebody and say, define those things in your life. For pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, what knows that you need them. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will what? Worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the text states that followers of Jesus are to live a totally different life than those who choose not to give in to the fatherly care of God. In fact, Jesus tells us in this scripture and says, if you're a follower of me, you shouldn't have any room for worry in your life. If you're really a follower of me, you shouldn't have room for anxiety in your life. You see, the Father wants to redefine our to-do list. But the question is, is how? I, I, I got the point, I'm ready to do this, so how do I do this? You have to understand that the initial stage of prayer is not about speaking, but listening and reading. The initial stage of prayer is about learning to listen to the heart of God, setting aside ample time and saying, God, what is on your heart for this situation? And then we journal that down. It's about setting aside ample time and opening up the word of God and allowing him to speak to us in the midst of that word, because sometimes we don't need to hear the still small voice of God. He's already written it for us right there in the word. We just got to take it and apply it. See, we want to come to the place where we allow God to form our prayer list through listening and through reading. Because when we allow God to form our prayer list, that quenches anxiety and worry. Think about it. You don't need to worry now because God's got it. It's taken care of. He just laid it out right before you in that moment. So, Understand this, God wants us to be productive. That's right, God wants us to be productive. But you may say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so I come before God, I lay out my to-do list, He revamps it, but why is it that I feel like every time I pray, there's like steel over my head? And my prayers go up, they come right back down. It feels like the heavens are brass and I'm not getting through. Well, let me give you a little key to this. You see, when we learn to thank God first with joy and thanksgiving, through professing and confessing, we become productive. 
we become productive. Let me give you a great example of this and what I mean. You see, think about this. When you're angry, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to pray, right? You want to just worship God and sing praises to him, you know. You know, God, I just love you so much. You're so worthy. Thank you for the loss of my job. Lord, I just thank you for that debt that I can't pay. No, that's not our automatic response, is it? Generally, we're angry. We're frustrated. We want to know why. But you see, there is this amazing dynamic that the enemy doesn't want you to know about. There is this amazing dynamic that when we begin to praise God and out of joy, it begins to open a pathway for us. It begins to take that steel off from around of our heads. It begins to take that brass and turn it to liquid so it just melts away. Let me give you an example of how you can apply this in your life. A great example is Psalm 144. In the midst of the situation that you're dealing with and you need to pray about, instead of running right in and just hammering away at God and beginning to pray, try this for once. Open up the scriptures. Open up the Psalms. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war. Father, regardless of the situation, I'm going to praise you. Because the word says that you're solid like a rock. Meaning you're not going to move. You cannot be destroyed. So my situation may say this, but I know that if I stand firm on you, this is going to be my outcome. In fact, God, it says right here in your word, you already trained me for war. You've trained me already to handle this circumstance. So you know what? I'm not going to be phased by this, God. I thank you so much. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer. God, I just thank you. Oh, God, I thank you. You are going to deliver my daughter out of that situation. God, I know right now in my human eyes, it looks impossible. <laughs> but no way, God, you're... <laughs> Your word right here, Psalm 144 says, you're my deliverer. So if you're my deliverer, that means you're my daughter's deliverer, and therefore you're going to get her free out of that situation. And you see what begins to happen, the door that begins to open within you, that all of a sudden your prayer life begins to change, and that brass is no longer there, and immediately you're escorted right into the presence of God so you can listen to what he's telling you. Look at John 15, 16, 17. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. I love this because this tells us that God wants us to be productive. He wants us to be productive in our prayer life. You see, God has intended, God has intended for each one of you to be productive and to be fruitful with your prayers. And the way we become fruitful and productive is to allow that praise and that joy to rise up as we begin to pray. You see, our joy and our praise shatters into the darkness before us. Our joy and our praise clears a path. And the fruit of our prayers break forth. You see, our joy and our praise is like glass and a hammer. 
our joy and our praise is like you have a big hammer and before you is that glass. Just take it and let it go. And it just shatters right before you. That's what our joy and our praise does in the midst of the situation. So my encouragement to us is that we stop praying out of panic. We stop praying out of panic in the heat of the situation. And that we begin to allow God access to our blackberry. And then we begin to journal what he is telling us to gain strategy. We need to come to a place where we pray with God and not just to God. You see, I love prayer because prayer is doing something. And when we do something, and when we praise and when we worship, we hear the voice of God. And when we hear the voice of God, we become productive in our prayer life. Prayer is an adventure because we are seeking out the conversation of heaven with a willingness to receive what is being said, regardless of the outcome. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I really want you to listen to this because this is very important. In just a minute or two, I am going to walk us through a way that we will learn how to activate that type of prayer life within us. This strategy that God has for you. So in this moment, I am going to, in a minute, ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to walk you through something that I want you to visualize in your mind. I'm not praying us out yet. I'm not dismissing us. But I want everybody in here to close your eyes and just imagine what I am speaking over you. It's important that you understand that as I was praying several days ago, I was asking God, saying, Lord, what is it that you want to say in this season of these individuals' lives? And so the Lord gave me, and I already told Pastor about this, but the Lord gave me a specific prophetic word for this season of your life. Strategy. So when I come to the point where I talk about what the Lord says to you, let your ears perk up and really hear it. So right where you're at, I want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes and don't pay attention to anybody around you. This is just between you and God right now. I want you to picture yourself, just you, on a battlefield all alone. Do you see it? In front of you stands a vast army. You can see that army is vicious, ugly, and vile. They are your enemies. But they begin to march in place, and the sound of it can be only described as thunder in your ears. You could feel the earth quaking beneath your feet. They begin to taunt you with their lies and their threats. Every little lie and every little breath is felt on your chest. And you notice that the distance between you and that army is only six feet. Immediately in a rush, you begin to assess yourself to see what weapons you are carrying and what armor you're wearing. But you notice you have no armor and you have no weapons. Suddenly, 
you feel the atmosphere around you change. And you feel the arms of God wrapping around you from behind in a big bear hug. You feel the warmth, his breath on your neck. And suddenly, in your ear, you hear the Lord gently chuckle as he says to you, listen to that. Isn't it hilarious? They are so frustrated because they cannot touch you in your circumstance. Embrace this moment with me. Can you feel that? What you feel is my peace in the heat of this battle. Join with me in this quiet place because a quiet spirit is so irresistible to me. Now stand still with me and see my salvation. Trust me, you got this one. And immediately within you, you let out a powerful God-filled yell as you look to your enemy right in his eyes with greater trust and greater confidence than you ever have before. Why? Because God has given you your strategy for prayer. Now with your eyes still closed in this moment of worship, I'm going to count a three. And when I get to three, we are going to yell like you just did inside, but we're going to yell out loud and let it go. On the count of three, one, two, three. Yes, Lord. That is allowing the strategy of God to rise up within you for the season ahead of you. Now in a moment, we're going to close out. I'm going to pray for you. If you would like to stay and worship, feel free. If you would like to go, feel free to leave. But please be mindful of those who are worshiping at this time. Father, we want to thank you so much for the strategies that you lay before us in your word. How you're so personal and intimate with us. Father, I pray that this week, as a body, we would pray in ways that we have never prayed before. Father, that we would learn to partner with you in doing our part as you do your part. We thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is being displayed here on earth. So, Lord, as we look in our eyes of the enemy this week, we thank you that we'll be able to let out that yell for what you've already told us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.